This is episode 62 of the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today I'm speaking with Jean Abernathy. Jean grew up on a small family farm, where as a child, she learned to explore her world on horseback. She pursued a college education in equine studies, then earned her art degree at OCAD University in Toronto. Her comical horse cartoons have graced equine print publications for over 30 years, and her star character, Fergus, has brought laughter to over 300,000 Facebook fans around the world. Jean talks to us in this episode about what it's like to celebrate 20 years as the creator of Fergus the Horse. Now, let's get into the conversation. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews with equestrian authors who love all things horses and writing about them. In each episode, you'll hear inspirational stories from horse book authors, including writing advice and marketing tips to help you write your very own horse book. If you're an author, aspire to be an author, or simply love horse books, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Cade, and creative writing makes my spurs jingle. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today I am so excited to have Jean Abernathy on the show. Hi, Jean. Welcome. Hi, Carly. Good to see you. <laughs> it's good to see you, too. It's been, been a minute. Uh, the last time I think we saw each other was Scottsdale at the American Horse it Publication was, Seminar. It yeah. was too long ago. <laughs> Thank you for this opportunity, Carly. I'm delighted to be here. Oh, my pleasure. I'm delighted to have you that you are you are of Fergus fame. And we are going to share with listeners a little bit about your adventures in illustration and writing your books and all the fabulous things you're up to. But I think as everyone knows, how I love to start these interviews off is to ask Eugene, how did your love affair with horses begin? I'll be completely honest. I think it started at my conception, Carly. <laughs> I just Really and truly, I think it's in us when we're born. I don't know why, but I needed a pony. That little t-shirt design I made that says, I need a pony. It's that simple. It's that simple. I was a kid that needed a pony. So that's my best answer. You know, I think that that is actually one of the most common answers from the authors I speak to on the show is that we're just born with it. And and often our parents are like, I don't know where this came from. They don't know anything yeah. about horses. Uh-huh. Where does all, it come from? Yeah. Yep. And then all of a sudden they have a horse crazy child that turns out to be a horse crazy woman and it continues for our entire lives. <laughs> yes, we do not grow out of it. Nope, it doesn't. It, it's with us forever. And I follow you, obviously, on, on your social media channels, and you have a beautiful buckskin. Can you tell us a little bit about your current horse? Willow is a registered half Arab mare. She's, she's tiny. She's only 14 hands, one inch. She is now 12 years old. I've had her since she was uh, six. Mm. I have... Worked her for, I'm, I'm doing numbers in my head here. I've spent seven seasons working as a trail guide. She's been my partner for six of them. So literally hundreds of miles, hundreds of hours. I've hauled her around to a few clinics and uh, we've done a lot together. She yeah. is, she is drop dead gorgeous. She's very cute. Oh, so pretty. And I, I remember the tale you were telling me at the American Horse Publications uh, Seminar that you took her to is it called police school or, or where, where she learned about being 
around all these noisy objects. Yes. Yes. That was a terrific exercise. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Bill Ritchie, who is an officer and a horseman, he teaches mounted police training, he teaches officers, and he teaches civilians. And I took Willow over to Michigan, which was where he was closest, mm-hmm. two times, two different uh, Junes. I took her over there for a four-day clinic, and uh, we did lots of scary things and accomplished a great deal. I got to know her much better. But mm. uh, that, that was fun. Bill was a very good teacher. He really knew his stuff, and uh, that was great. I can only imagine that that really increases the bond that you have in the trust between yourself and your horse going through something like that. But then taking what you learn and, and doing the trails and, and being the trail guide and doing all these treks in the great unknown in the wilderness, oh, yeah. probably that helped a ton. Yeah. It is. I've got a really good idea now what would make my horse blow sideways. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what would that be? <laughs> In, oh, you name it. She has a list. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, they, they always have something to find scary, right? The plastic bag. There's, yeah, there's always something to work on. <laughs> yeah. Lifelong lessons with those horses. Speaking of long-term relationships, too, your cartoon character, Fergus the Horse, has you know brought laughter to hundreds of thousands of humans and you know from around the world and you and Fergus just celebrated your 20 20 year anniversary together 20 you know, years oh my gosh how does that make you feel <laughs> it's a little bit mind blowing actually to realize gosh i've been doing this that long uh, i've been cartooning closer to 35 years Fergus just hit his 20 years. And prior to that, I was just doing generic horses and inventing the comedy with that. And, and the people told the jokes mostly. But when I, had, when I invented the character, the character had to speak. So it, it kind of went from there. And I didn't really know what I was stepping into when I started Fergus. But uh, it was something that needed stepping into, obviously, because a lot of people identify with it. Mm-hmm. And he's been entertaining us horse lovers for and non-horse lovers for a very long time. Because you're celebrating this landmark uh, anniversary between you and Fergus, you've just released a new book called It's Been 20 Years, Fergus. Talk to us about, about your book celebrating his anniversary. Like, where'd the idea come from? What, what can people find inside this new book? Well, uh, first of all, after, after the first four books, the first being the initial comics collection of 10 years worth of comics, that was followed by three storybooks, which were completely and totally enjoyable. A lot of fun. We needed somewhere to go next. When I say we, I mean myself and my publishers. Where does Fergus go next? And I looked at the calendar and I looked at the year and I thought, gosh, well, <laughs> this is perfect because it is right about 20 years. Since I scribbled that, I was trying to come up with a character, and I scribbled down this little guy and started to experiment with if this is going to be a horse, it has to have a consistent look, you know, so I started to draw. And in that process, I realized it was about 20 years ago, I scribbled down this little character and stuffed him into a fax machine to a very dear friend in England, and Fergus was born. He wow. popped out of the fax machine at the other end, uh, announcing that he would rather travel by satellite than by horse trailer. <laughs> <laughs> no, awesome. fax machines are obsolete now. 
Goodness. Goodness <laughs> me. Yeah, but it's been that long and we thought, well, perfect. And it's automatically an anniversary. Hmm. Let's just have at it and, and take a look at that 20 years and dig up whatever other drawings and artwork are out there. I had to make a lot of new material, which was fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there's there's some new material out there for our readers to look at, and hopefully they'll enjoy it. You have this this anniversary book coming out. It's been 20 years, Fergus. But you also have, uh, at the moment, three other Fergus books. Do you want to t- talk a little bit, and they're over your shoulders there. Do you want to talk a little bit about the other yes. books and what they're all They are behind me. They're also here beside me. This is my very first book. Oh, my. The Essential Fergus the Horse. Now, this one is an accumulation, basically, of the first 10 years worth of Fergus comics. There's a little backstory about my career and how it all got started. Same story I told you about stuffing the sketch into the fax machine. <laughs> this is uh, paperback. This is 140 pages. Lots of good laughs in that one, published in 2015. Now, 2016, Fergus, A Horse to Be Reckoned With, as a story. This is all written in poem, love poems. I grew up in a very poetic musical family, so, you know, if you cut us, we bleed music. Uh, All poetry. I'll show it to you, why not? This is a story about the lad. The gist of it is, all written in utterly silly poetry, is that the lad wants to ride Fergus. You see, he's going to train him. Well, Fergus, of course, thinks he's the authority. So the dialogue goes back and forth between who's the authority, who's training who. (laughs) So that's the fun in that one. Next, in 2017, came Fergus and the Greener Grass. We're really proud of this one. This one, believe it or not, Carly, I carried the first few lines around in my head for about 10 years. Excuse me. Fergus was a little horse outstanding in his meadow. He was eating grass beside the fence. When it came into his head, oh, he had a big idea because he couldn't quite decide if the grass might be a little greener on the other side. Now, that rolled in around in my head for a long, long time. And finally, when it was time for another book, I thought, okay, there's, that's a juicy thing. We better build on that. So we did. And Fergus and the Greener Grass was born. I won't give you a spoiler. That one has a powerful little message. And and one of the things that makes us proud of that book is uh, the Western Writers of America gave it a Spur Award in 2018. And I got this email saying we'd won this award. And I thought, oh, is this real? And then I, I contacted my publishers and they'd say, yeah, yeah, we entered this. And, uh, and I contacted an editor I knew. And he said, what's with this Western Writers of America? And, and he wrote back saying, Janie, this is this is a big thing. Get your plane ticket. <laughs> so, so we were incredibly honored, and Fergus flew me to Montana to get my Spur Award. So we're really proud of that one. Oh, that's such a great and, story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is a powerful message, and that one I think reaches far beyond the horse industry. I won't do a spoiler, but it has a powerful ending. Mm-hmm. That's that's a nice message for all kids, not just horse kids. The uh, Next book, let me get my year right. This was 2018. Yes, 2018. Here we are. This is a Christmas book. This whole thing is a spoof on Twas the Night Before Christmas. This was the most fun yet. You know, when you sit all by yourself working and you're laughing by yourself, (laughs) you know you're on to something good. (laughs) 
So that that one is a lot of fun. I would like to think that even Dr. Zeus might smile at that one. There's a lot of fun in that. And, and to uh, to hitch 11 horses in tandem is a bit of a trick, but by golly, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. The power of the pen, right? And the oh my goodness, yes, yes. <laughs> And, you know, you've had a lot of success with, with Fergus and, you know, and you said he was born when he chose not to go by horse trailer, but via fax to a friend uh, overseas. Were you, what were you thinking when Fergus came to you? Were you looking to, to do the comic strips in the, in the books with this character? Were you looking for something that would have this long of a life and celebrate 20 years or is this, or did he just kind of come to you and took on a life of his own like what what were you thinking when you created him that's a good question (laughs) what was I thinking (laughs) I was making it up on the fly I was making it up as I went along I didn't know where to go or what to do with it or what but I had enough people who enjoyed my cartoons Mm -hmm. ask me what the horse's name was well, I was making generic horses, and, and I heard that question often enough that I thought maybe I better make a character, mm-hmm. a singular character, rather than just draw any old horse with googly eyes. <laughs> and so I did that. Of course, then that particular horse needed other horses for the stories to play against, needed some people for the stories to play against. And then I had to start building this herd of characters I needed stories for them to tell, so it grew and grew. Uh, the first few years were horse print publications mm-hmm. and oh, training training techniques. Uh, Monty and Pat Roberts published him a little bit. Uh, he was published in a few magazines in Florida and across the states. Just little caption cartoons, sometimes even uh, ad illustrations. Mm-hmm. And uh, a few people that liked him would say, could Fergus do this or could Fergus do that? And I'd say, well, you know, I needed the work. Sure, I guess Fergus could do that. (laughs) And uh, when he started in the Florida newspaper, that's when I started to make a consistent comic strip. And that ran for about two years. And it was my first body of work. I had to learn how to tell these stories in that tiny little newspaper format frame. And uh, that's how I began the little comic strips right there. So really and truly, I was just making it up as I was going. That's incredible. I mean, those are, those I think are the best stories of the muse and and our creativity speaking to us when it, when it starts in one place and then it becomes this grand thing. And the thing about Fergus is it's like limitless. I mean, he can continue having adventures for for ages and more people can fall in love with him and follow his adventures and perhaps yeah and I can't imagine you tiring of of drawing Fergus but you know that's for you to say and for me not to but (laughs) he sounds like he seems much fun to to work on you follow your heart you know you really Mm do Mm -hmm. and you just kind of got to keep going and and it's always a a bit of a come see come saw because when you decide that this is your job and people ask you, can you do this? The answer isn't no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the answer is yes. And then you've got to figure out how to do it. You know, unless you really feel it's beyond your scope, mm-hmm. you don't turn it down and you, you take on to it and see where it takes you. 
That's great advice. And what a dream come true for a career. I remember you, you sent me a picture of a picture of us together and you inserted Fergus over oh, our shoulders. Yeah. Wasn't that fun? Oh my gosh. That was just, <laughs> that was so special. And I was just so happy. I'm like, there's a picture of me with Jean and Fergus is in it. And I was so excited when you sent that over. I mean, that is fun. you are so generous. I mean, you, you, you're, you're so Thank generous you. with your creations and it was just an amazing moment for someone who's been a fan for, for a very, very long time. What? And I'm sure there's a lot of them, but I was just wondering, is there one favorite Fergus moment that comes to mind when you, when you think of your 20 years together? There are many, many Fergus moments. Uh, a lot of moments come from the fans themselves. When someone tells me that they've been having a rough time and thanks for the laugh, you know, I, I wonder if they know how much that means to me. That's precious. One of my favorite punchlines, and this one I just put it back up on Instagram recently, was Fergus. When Grace tells Fergus that humans have been on Earth longer than horses. And so Fergus thinks about that and he says, well, so before there were humans, who mucked the stalls? <laughs> And you know, the, the humor there, he's just missing the mark by just a little bit. And I like that kind of humor when you can tell he's just not catching the drift. It, it must, I mean, it's a testament to your imagination too, that you can think up these scenarios that Fergus winds up in where he's, he's thinking like a horse, but it doesn't all the way click. I mean, that's where the humor really lies. Oh, and yes. Yes, it's, it's either he doesn't click on the concept or else the human and the horse don't click because we don't anyway. You know, there's, there's this, all this, oh yeah, we're trying to communicate. Yeah, well, they're still horses and we're still humans. <laughs> That's true. And there's a bit of a rift there. <laughs> Have you always been an artist, an illustrator, or creative? Did you grow up dreaming that, that you would be doing this or, or did this, where did you, where did your talent start for, for drawing? I, that too may have been starting at conception. I don't know. I enjoyed drawing as a little kid. I remember being so young when, you know, the first few times I held that orange pencil that, and, and learning to make the shapes of letters so I would make horses too. Or, or you know, the, that's the other thing a pencil will do is it'll draw things. And so I just took to it. And because for unknown reasons, horses inspired me, I was drawing horses as early as I can remember. Uh, my, my whole family is artistic. So yeah, I've, I've always been artistic and followed that thread. Uh, growing up as a kid on the farm, I didn't know what a professional artist might even do. Mm -hmm. Not a clue. But it always seemed to be, between, the, between that and the horses, it always be, was something that I gravitated towards. So just born with it, which is the same. Seems as, to be. Yeah, that, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah I am very grateful to have edu educated myself in both disciplines to some degree. I had a little bit of college in equestrian studies, mm -hmm. which was one of the smartest things I ever did. And uh, I w would have loved to do that more, actually. But then I went on to art school, which was the other smartest thing I ever did. So with that education, then, that's what has enabled me to grow Fergus into looking the way he looks. So I imagine you, you had the talent, but then you really you got skilled at really defining your art and how it is for you. And, and also, I would imagine, mediums and different 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Raw talent is exactly that. It's raw. <laughs> and I would say that to any young artist. Study, study, study. Educate yourself as much as you can. Because raw talent is raw. <laughs> yeah. And that, that was a wise choice because now look at where it's gotten you. Your illustrations have graced equestrian print publications for over 35 years. In fact, I was just reading the most recent uh, Quarter Horse Journal. And one of your illustrations was in the Quarter Horse Journal. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm talking to her in like two days. And it's the one about the vet that, that ran the tube up the nose. And it, it came, rather than going oh. back to its stomach, it came out the other side. And you're, there's your art right there on the page. <laughs> Funny story. That's what I love about illustration as opposed to fine art. You get to tell stories. Mm-hmm. I love stories. And, and I get to read them. And a job like that, I get to read them before anybody else does. <laughs> That's funny. And I get to make the pictures. I love it. Yeah, a Quarter Horse Journal has been very good to me. Prior to that, back in the 90s, I did a lot of work for the Paint Horse Journal. Mm. Paint Horse Journal was very good to me for quite a number of years. And uh, that meant a lot to me because my kids were little then. And that's hard on a career when you've got to juggle your job between the at-home mom thing you know there's there's no easy way to do that and I feel very blessed that I could do it though and I by golly I met my deadlines I I would turn rather than risk losing a deadline I would turn down work Mm. and so I would either say no I can't do it or if I said yes I can do it I would meet that deadline and so that kept me going because an editor could call me knowing that if I, if I took it on, they would get their deadline. How did you start off getting involved with equestrian publications? Did you like submit as a freelancer or did somebody see your work and invite you over? I mean, because that's what pretty much started everything and kept you going and then led you to writing your books as working it with was. these publications. It was. When I was in my last year of art school, I had been drawing little panel comics, just a little a little drawing with caption underneath. And mostly horses. I did a few for a dairy farm magazine for a little while. But in my last year of art college, I made this little prospectus and some sample cartoons. And I think I sent out to 24 horse magazines, my little set of samples. I got one reply. Wow. That was, that was Paint Horse Journal. Paint Horse Journal was good to me. That just kept going and going and going. And through people who know people, it grew and it just kept going. I was very lucky. That's, and it's amazing. And I love what you said. One person said yes at the time when you originally yeah. submitted your work. But all you need is one yes. And look at this career that you've grown for, me, for yourself from this it one. It kept building. It was very, very difficult. I spent some time sending out, finding 24 addresses, and that was all snail mail, mm-hmm. all of it. That was 1987. <laughs> that was all snail mail. So to put that much work into sending out 24, and I get one response, I think, oh, man. And it's already a niche market. Mm. But that one response grew and grew, and I just... I guess we're too dumb to quit. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I would have, I'd like to add to that as I'm sure your integrity around deadlines also spread good word about your good, in addition to your good work and brought more work in too from being on time. Yes, I remember talking to an editor on the phone once and I said, I can miss some sleep and survive, but I can't miss a deadline and survive. <laughs> and that was like music to his ears. And And for people who are not familiar with like, 
freelancing or, or working with print publications, why is a deadline so important to, to these magazines? Particularly the periodicals. Well, they got to crank out this much material every month. They got to have their stories in. They got to match the stories with the pictures. They got to have their ads in. They got to assemble the whole thing. And they got to put it in, in the printing press because they got to mail it out to their subscribers. You can't alter that. Mm -mm. You can't. So when they need it, they need it. Thank you for explaining that. I just wanted to make sure everyone who's listening and who yeah. might not work work in that space understands because they made a commitment, right? So that all the people that are submitting pieces for the magazines, if those commitments aren't on time and it, it breaks their commitment on the end of the chain, which is getting the publication to readers. Oh, yeah. Makes for a lot of tension. I mean, the quarterly magazines have more time, but the deadlines are just as solid. Yeah, because there's so much that goes into it. Just like publishing a book, there's yeah. So many steps before you can get meet your street date. So many steps that yeah. need to happen. I'm I'm curious about this too because your your illustrations are so good and so detailed. How long does it take you to put together an illustration? Well, Carly, the real answer is it depends. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly, what it depends on is the complexity of the drawing. Mm. With illustration, because you're telling a story, it's uh, you know one little doggy. You call that a portrait. But when you're telling a story, you have probably at least two characters. So, you know, I'm looking at uh, four to six hours for a rough sketch and then possibly, possibly the same, a little bit more after it has been approved to take that into finished art. That's, that's a rough guess. Well, and you spend time with it. Like you said, you're, you know, you're telling a story, whether there's multiple characters or not, just with the the shading and the expressions of the eyes and the, yes. you know, so much detail because your, your art is very expressive, whether it's you know, the cartoon character of Fergus or the illustration I just saw in a quarter horse journal. I mean, his, he was making an expression. It was telling a story <laughs> as they were pulling the tube through his nose the wrong way. This first, first time vet just out of, out of vet school, and the horse was showing his concern, his tongue was out, you know, so, so all of those little details help tell the story. So I imagine you have to think, you really have to think about what you want to draw too. And Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. When I read the story, there's pictures in my head saying, how would that look? Mm. You know, and uh, with that particular one, I, I have the luxury of YouTube now. <laughs> I watched four or six vets put hoses up horses nose to see where, how, how they use their hands, how they position themselves because, you know, these, these are horse people reading this magazine. And if I get it wrong, they'll know it. So, you know, I put the bucket there and I get his hand in the right place. And I have, that's, that's a fabulous reference to have. And then I can watch that process and choose a moment and decide how I'm going to use what's there or alter it for the sake of artistic composition and, and put it together that way. Wow. That's like a complete behind the scenes to how you work, Jean. Sure. Thank you for sharing that with us. And then technology has changed, right? So mm, yeah. with, with, with your art, are you, are you working with a digital medium to, to create your, your artwork now? Because I even imagine publications want it in a digital format, but how is, how has your artwork changed as does technology has revolutionized how things can be done? Well, it certainly is a time saver. And believe it or not, back in the 80s, I would put a paper rough sketch in the snail mail from Ontario, Canada to Texas. And then I would wait. Hmm. 
<laughs> I can't believe I did that. <laughs> of course, now it's all email. For my rough sketches, for example, like the Quarter Horse Journal illustration that we've been talking about, uh, one like that, I jot it down on paper, I scan it into my computer, I touch it up a little bit so it's clear for my editor, and then I send that image off once it's approved. For those in particular, I go right back to my watercolors. I stretch paper, I get out my pens and, and my paints, and, and I make that piece of artwork. There again, I scan it in, mm. and uh, the computer makes you a little bit lazy. <laughs> you know, I scan it in, and then I can fix things. Mm. You know, When I was only painting, you got to get it right or learn how to patch it up. Or, you know, Now I can scan it in and fix a few things, and when it's to my satisfaction, then I send off the finished image, and off it goes. The cartoons are pretty much entirely done in the computer now. Mm, that's no great. paper. You know, you shared so much with us about your behind the scenes of your creativity and, and how you kind of got, got to do what, you, what you've been doing and the success that you've had. Your books are published through Trafalgar Square Books. How did your relationship with them come to be? Uh, did you reach out to them? Did they reach out to you? What's it like working with Trafalgar Square? They are a class act from the get-go. Mm. I'll say that up front. Uh, when I had this idea for a collection of Fergus comics, and that idea was there for a long time, because so many people would say, oh, these comics are great. Do you have a book of these? And the answer was, well, not yet. And so this built up for a long time. And uh, finally, a friend of mine told me how to make a good prospectus. So I put that together. I sent it off to four publishers, two of which were equestrian publishers. And Trafalgar Square Books emailed me within four hours. Oh, wow. That's fast. I had, I own some of their books. I had seen their books and I know their books look really good. Mm -hmm. So I signed on. I was thrilled. And they've been fabulous to work with. And uh, I want to give a special shout out to our book designer. The reason I say this is because an illustrator is always at the mercy of a good designer. Mm -hmm. I can make the artwork, but it's got to be put on that page nicely to make it look good. And our designer, Rebecca Didier, is fabulous. I love it especially because I make the artwork. I have to kind of partly design it because I've got to leave holes in the artwork where the type can go. And she'll put the type in. And I love it when she puts it in in a way that I would never have thought. And I love it because she's so good at it. And so I love reviewing what she's done and working through that with her. Rebecca is just fabulous. I was just going to ask you that, how the formatting of the books work and how that goes. So you, you create the images and bounce it back and forth between your publisher in order to get the final format in a good place that you both agree on. And they handle the yes. design work. Mm. Yes, yes. And it's it's pretty easy to do, at least for me. And I wonder sometimes if I create a struggle for Rebecca because uh, it, most of their books, Rebecca probably does most of the design. But when I'm making a full page spread, and I'll throw an example at you right here, I got, like I said, I got to make holes in the artwork where the type can go. Most authors don't have to do that. Mm. So on that page, you see how the type has to fit there. Mm hmm. I have to make space for that, and Rebecca has to fit that in. And so sometimes, depending on the artwork, I really challenge her. <laughs> but she makes it look good anyway. When you're designing the artwork, you have already agreed on what size the book will be. So you, do you create the 
the image in the size that the book is going to be and then try and shift it down to leave the space? Is that how, how you're designing? I do. Uh, mm. These particular ones are a nine inch by nine inch square. I, if I for size, I work in a square proportion. And because I am both author and illustrator, I kind of format it out so that the words in the story have to match each other on each page. So I kind of rough it in. The, the little ink drawing is actually about four or six inches square. So the double page spread is four by eight. Mm. And the book itself is nine by nine. But that was how I planned the drawing and where I think the text will go in that composition. And then I render the finished art, but there's no type in it. I just left a space on the wall for where the type can go. And then Rebecca puts the type in. It's basically an exploration of the format and how I roughly put it together. And then we fine tune it from there. That's that's so cool. And it's awesome that you also write the stories to accompany the artwork. I mean, you know, that must make the whole process a little bit easier. I really enjoy the fact that I write it and illustrate it. And because uh, I've illustrated books for other author, authors many times. Oh, that's awesome. And, but this, yeah, I have. I have. And uh, I did some back in the 80s, little cartoon horse books. Uh, one one writer in reminded me of it. I had, so long ago, I had forgot about them, but they were fun little books. And that was fun to do. But secretly down inside, I did not write them. I only made the drawing. There's so many children's books. If somebody writes it, somebody else illustrates it. Mm -hmm. And I guess deep down, I always knew I could do both. And so thankfully, there I am now. And I, when it says written and illustrated by, I'm kind of proud of that. You absolutely should be proud of that. That is, that's an incredible feat. And you own the whole, the whole baby, the whole book baby. It's, and it's, it's such fun. It's <laughs> such fun, Carly. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine. And speaking of such fun, for those of you listening into the interview today on the podcast, be sure to gallop over and check out Jean's show notes because she has been very generous and she's sent us some lovely illustrations of Fergus in action. You know, and this is another thing I want to ask you too. I, this is incredible. You have more than 300,000 followers on your Facebook page. <laughs> that, that yeah, is amazing. that's uh, a bit mind-blowing. Yeah, that's a, that's a big number, you know. So Chris <laughs> and you obviously have a following. Talk to us about how you use your Facebook and, and manage it and, and interact with 300,000 people. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not enough if the truth were known. Uh, that 300,000 happened between 2012 and 2015. And I first started putting my old comics on Facebook in 2012, learned how to do that. People just liked them and shared them. Mm -hmm. And it grew and it grew and it grew and it got up as high as I think 317,000. It just exploded. And so, yeah, it really grew. But you see, then in 2015, Facebook changed how they distribute content. Mm -hmm. So it stopped growing and it's still over. It's been decreasing a little. It's still over 300,000. Most of my posts, depending on the quality of the comedy, get twenty-five to 50,000 responses. And uh, it's, it's a good tool to, to promote the merchandise and to promote the books. That's my main tool, in fact. Uh, Instagram has been going for, it was 2016, I started Instagram. Mm -hmm. I did not learn these things quickly. I needed some help to get going on 
Instagram, and they've been a good following. We've got uh, thirty-one thousand there now, I believe. Forty-one thousand. I was I was sniffing around. Was it forty-one? Yeah, I mean, you've got yeah. a lot of followers. That's incredible. But Fergus is so likable. But it's. But I love something you said though. You said it took time to learn these things, but you did learn how to use them and embrace them. And now you're you're having a pretty good time with it, right? It gets easier. I've got a template now that I can I can dismantle my panel comics and, and I've learned how to put them up on Instagram as a little slideshow. Oh, that's fun. And that's been a good learning curve because sometimes four frames works really good on Instagram, or sometimes three is better in a printed panel comic, like in a, in a strip then that is long, mm-hmm. three looks good. When I put on four, sometimes even five on Instagram, sometimes that space and that the viewer has to scroll to get the humor and they got to work for it a little bit. Sometimes that in itself is a bit of a hit. By the time they get to the punchline, they're really, really, they're really ready for the punchline. Mm. And so it's, I've, I keep learning that way too. The little slideshow works pretty good. And it's it's more difficult to link to something for them to purchase. It is, yeah. It's a presentation that's helping mm-hmm. and because there's a whole generation of people now on Instagram that are not on Facebook. I've got to learn it. <laughs> I, you know, you you got to keep moving along with it to some degree. Well, that's, I'm really proud of you for doing that. I mean, because Thank that's you. sort of, even though you, you work with Trafalgar Square and they do a lot of marketing on their end, you also are out there promoting Fergus and your books as well. On I try media. my best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I try my best. I mean, mm-hmm. as an author, you have to now, as you know, you can't leave that all to your publisher. You got to be out there pounding away at it too. Mm-hmm. I thought this would be really fun for people to know. Uh, while I was galloping around and building your interview questions, I came across the fact that you offer free coloring downloads of Fergus on your website, which I think is so cool. And that's such a treat. So listeners, you can get Fergus coloring sheets that you can download from Jean's website. But have you ever thought about creating a Fergus coloring book, like full size for for people to? I have thought about it. And uh, many people have suggested it. And and here's how I feel about that. And this is maybe a little bit selfish and comical. Early in my career, the challenge for printers was always reproducing full color as opposed to black and white. Mm-hmm. You know, they always want the black and white line drawing because that's cheap. Line drawings, even gray tones were a challenge back in the day of the old stat cameras. And, and as a consequence of that, I have drawn 10,000 million miles of black lines. <laughs> so you cannot imagine how much fun I'm having making full color artwork. And so that's kind of my answer to that question. The coloring sheets are fun to do, and I'm thrilled to offer them out there. Download them. They're free. Have fun with them. Give the kids something to do. And if if I can work it into my schedule, I'll crank out a few more for kids to color. What is something you wish you had known when you started out? If there's any other illustrators listening in here, or or even if it it could even be about starting the book project, is there anything that you wish you had known when you started out with Fergus? Well, I wish I had known it was possible. <laughs> <laughs> I just kept going and kept going. What do I wish I had known? That's, that's a tough question, Carla. <laughs> and that's it's, a really tough question. But your answer is perfect, right? Because with any passion or any dream, it is learn as you go, step by step, 
you know, build, build your empire slowly, learn what you need to learn and, and just keep going. And that's what you said when you first answered the questions. I, you know, I just kept going. And I think that that's, well, and it's what you don't know that drives you on because mm, you have to discover that on the way. Mm-hmm. It's the only way to get there. Mm-hmm. And that's where all that growth comes from. And that's like one step closer to the, to the big dream. Yeah. So wishing I'd known it was possible. There you go. So you took the first step to finding out if it was possible and look at where you are now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's beautiful. I like to ask these questions too, because there's always a little bit of a, a different perspective in the answers. What for you is the most difficult thing about being an illustrator and an author? And then on the flip side, what's, what's the very, very best part of being an illustrator and an author? Illustration is the deadlines. Mm-hmm. You've got that deadline hanging there. And, that, and that's a double-edged sword because it's also a motivator. Mm-hmm. You know, you work better with a deadline, but it's still hanging there. It, what is the best thing? Well, self-employment in general. I get to design my day pretty much every day. And that includes the deadline that's hanging there. <laughs> so it's about a balance, I guess. You know, the hard things, the easy things. It's about balancing that. For people listening to the podcast who may be wanting to work with an illustrator for their children's books that are maybe coming down the line, what do they need to know when, when they're approaching an illustrator to work with? Start the dialogue. Mm. Often it's the publisher who would choose the illustrator, mm. not the author. But you can make a deal either way because mm-hmm. there's no rules, really. <laughs> you need to start the dialogue, find out if you're compatible, find out your timeline, find out if your styles match. Mm. And that is all to be discovered through sketches and writing and conversation and brainstorming, and you take it from there. It's great advice. So start, start the conversation, start, start the dialogue. The I would imagine yes. sooner than later. If you want to get the book out in through three months before Christmas and you're approaching your illustrator or a illustrator for the first time in August, that's not going to work so well. You know, you need, you need a good amount of time to... Yeah, you need time. Yeah. With the my publisher, Trafalgar, we plan a year out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> good, good rule of thumb. And what might... A listener be surprised to learn about Eugene, about the the, the mother, the, the woman who gave birth to Fergus the horse. What's, what might someone be surprised to learn uh, about you? Uh, probably. That's a good question, and I read that one over, too. <laughs> probably one thing surprising would be the somber side of Jean Abernethy. Hmm. I would yeah. never imagine that. It is, oh, a good laugh and a good cry are close cousins, Carly. Mm-hmm. I have written a couple of songs that will put tears in people's eyes. And that's, that's kind of fun. As artists, it's our job to make work that evokes emotion. I just happen to choose comedy most of the time because that's the most fun. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. You gave us a little peek behind, behind the veil. It was, I, I feel honored. Jean, I just wanted to say thank you so much for the gift of your time. And would you share with listeners where they can find you and your books online? Absolutely. They can find Fergus at www.fergusthehorse, all one word. And there's icons to click on. You can click on the book. You can click on uh, various icons to find your way around there. And to find out a little bit about me and more of my work that is not Fergus, go to www.jeanabernethy.com.
www.thelifeguidebook.com. And I will make sure to link to those places in the show notes so people can get directly to you. And I imagine on the Fergus website and on your own, there's links to your social media channels too. So they can go check out, become one of your over 300,000 followers on Facebook. Okay. (laughs) Go to Facebook and search Fergus the horse. Go to Instagram, search Fergus the horse. You'll find him out there. Oh, you'll find him very easily. And I've, I'm one of your three, more than 300,000 fans out there Thank in the world you. too, sharing, sharing your comics and getting a good giggle uh, on a daily basis. So, Thank you. Fergus would be nowhere without the fans. And I really appreciate that. True words of wisdom right there. Thank you for being so generous and sharing Fergus strips with me for your show notes and coming on the show and talking to me today. Thank you, Carly. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us this week on the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I hope you enjoy these Q&A sessions with wonderful equine authors who love all things horses and riding, just like me. Visit my website, carlycadecreative.com, where you can read the show notes. And make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Want a free guide to secrets of horse book authors? Gallop over to carlycadecreative.com forward slash wisdom to have author advice delivered instantly to your inbox. If you are an author who writes about horses and would like to be spotlighted, please let me know. Visit my contact page at carlycadecreative.com to fill out a request. I'd be happy to have you on the show too. Thank you for tuning in to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. See you next time. I'm your host, Carly Cade. Creative writing makes my spurs jingle.